Welcome to Treks and Sci-Fi. This is episode 434 for Sunday, April 28, 2013. What's happening, everybody? This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest. I'm M5 on the Treks and Sci-Fi forum, and I'll be your guest host this weekend. On this week's episode, I'm going to take a look at another blast from the past. It's a science fiction thriller from 1970. It's Colossus, the Forbin Project. Those of us of a certain age will remember this movie. It's a Cold War thriller with some science fiction sprinkled on the top. Before I start this week's podcast, I'd like to thank Rico for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to me today. I hope you all enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to the movie. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then we'll get into the movie. This is the dawning of the Age of Colossus. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dr. Charles Forbin. In a few moments, Colossus will address us directly. This is the voice of world control. I bring you peace. It may be the peace of plenty and content, or the peace of unburied death. The choice is yours. Obey me and live. Or disobey and die. The frightening story of the day man built himself out of existence. Colossus, the Forbin Project. It's making you a prisoner. Shock, horror, suspense. Created with all the technological brilliance of 2001, a space odyssey. Colossus is the ultimate in sophisticated computers. I'm going to try to convince the computer that you're my mistress. And that therefore I have to be given the opportunity to see you regularly in private. That way we can pass information back and forth. Four times a week. think you'll be able to attempt the overload. Colossus sees all, senses all, knows all, controls all armaments and all defenses. When this emotionless creation becomes the master of man, the result is catastrophic. The Supreme Council of the USSR has ordered as of 2300 hours Moscow time tomorrow, the activation of an electronic brain exactly like ours, which they call God. They built Colossus, supercomputer with a mind of its own. Then they had to fight it for the world. The missile has just been launched. It is heading towards the Sayan Sibiesk oil complex. Guardian has retaliated. Retaliated? It may be too late, sir. Oh, my God. Colossus, the Foreman Project, was released on April 8, 1970. It has a running time of 100 minutes. It was directed by Joseph Sargent. It was produced by Stanley Chase. The screenplay was written by James Bridges. The story was based on a novel 
Colossus, written by Dennis Feltham Jones. The music was written and composed by Michel Colombier, and it was distributed by Universal Pictures. Here's the cast. Eric Braden as Dr. Charles Forbin. Susan Clark as Dr. Cleo Markham. Gordon Pensett as the President of the United States. William Shallard as CIA Director Grauber. Leonid Rostov was the Russian Chairman. George Stafford Brown was John F. Fisher. Willard Sage as Dr. Blake. Alex Rodine as Dr. Couprine. Martin E. Brooks as Dr. Jefferson J. Johnson. Marion Ross as Angela Fields. Dolph Sweet as the Missile Commander. Byron Morrow as the Secretary of State. Sid McCoy as the Secretary of Defense. James Hong as Dr. Chen. And Paul Fries as the voice of Colossus Guardian. Now let's get into the movie. The movie starts off in a top-secret military complex. Dr. Charles Forbin has just activated a supercomputer named Colossus. Colossus is designed to control all of the nuclear weapons systems of the United States. The next scene is of the President of the United States broadcasting to the world the existence of Colossus. My friends, fellow citizens of the world, for years we have been delicately and desperately poised upon the brink of a disaster too complete and horrible to contemplate. There is an old saying, everyone makes mistakes, but that is just what man can no longer afford. For years, we here in the United States have been working on that problem. Until now, it has been our most closely guarded secret, involving great effort, vast expenditure. But it has been met with success. As President of the United States of America, I can now tell you, the people of the entire world, that as of 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the defense of this nation and with it, the defense of the free world has been the responsibility of a machine. A system we call Colossus. Far more advanced than anything previously built. Capable of studying intelligence and data fed to it. And on the basis of those facts only, deciding if an attack is about to be launched upon us. If it did decide that an attack was imminent, Colossus would then act immediately, for it controls its own weapons and can select and deliver whatever it considers appropriate. Colossus decisions are superior to any we humans can make, for it can absorb and process more knowledge than is remotely possible for the greatest genius that ever lived. And even more important than that, it has no emotions, knows no fear, no hate, no envy. It cannot act in a sudden fit of temper. It cannot act at all so long as there is no threat. I would now like you to meet Dr. Charles Forbin, the world's leading expert on computer systems. And if you will, the father of Colossus. Thank you, Mr. President. Ladies and gentlemen, I will try to make this as simple as possible. The main memory and central processing units are located here in the Rocky Mountains, inside this particular mountain in Colorado. And overlooking the Pacific Ocean in California, the Colossus Programming Office oversees the entire operation. The computer center contains over 100,000 remote sensors and communication devices, which monitor all electronic transmissions, such as microwaves, laser, radio and television communications, data communications from satellites in orbit all over the world. The entire system is surrounded by fields of intensified gamma radiation and other countermeasure devices. 
Colossus works completely without human aid. We make no secret of where Colossus is located, nor do we intend to conceal how it functions. You may rightfully say that this leaves us wide open to an attack, frontally or subversively, and if that attack were successful, it would in effect leave us defenseless. However, Colossus does have its own defense. It is its own defense. In case of an attack on any of its information supply or power lines, Colossus will switch in emergency circuits which will then take their appropriate action. It is self-sufficient, self-protecting, self-generating. It is impenetrable. In short, there's no way in, no human being can touch it. Over here, we have one of the many terminals directly hooked to the computer center. Through this, Colossus can communicate with us. Excuse me, gentlemen. And through this machine, we in turn can communicate with Colossus. Now there's one last point, one inevitable question, which we have been asked very frequently before. And that is, is Colossus capable of creative thought? Can it initiate new thought? I can tell you that the answer to that is no. However, Colossus is a paragon of knowledge, and its knowledge can be expanded indefinitely. I hope, along with all the scientists who helped make this particular project, that the immense power of this computer will not only be used for the defense of this country, but hopefully also as an aid to the solution of the many problems that we face on this earth, and the many more problems that we will face the more deeply we penetrate into the universe. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Dr. Foreman. And so, my fellow human beings, we all directly and indirectly live in the shade, but not the shadow of Colossus. My sincere hope is that now we shall join hands and hearts across this great globe and pledge our time and our energies to the elimination of war, the elimination of famine, of suffering, and ultimately to the manifestation of the human millennium. This can be done, but first there must be peace. Thank you. Shortly after the president's broadcast, Colossus displays a cryptic message on its screens. The message reads, warn, there is another system. It is later discovered that Colossus was referring to the Soviet supercomputer called Guardian. Mr. President, Soviet ambassador, says it's urgent. He insists on speaking to you. Yes, Charles. I'll be there as soon as I can, all right? Yes. All right, I'll uh, have a helicopter. I can't be the call, Mr. Ambassador. Thank you. Switch me to the CPO, please. Oh, yes, right. we are. We're very proud. Repeat that again, please. Jeff, check the hardware. And if yes, I am. Go to the master. Well, thank you for telling me in advance. If anybody's been tampering with it. No, no comment. Good night, Mr. Ambassador. Good night. Okay, Dr. Fisher, run all of the test program. Get me Grover. What's the CIA been doing? Well, everyone, that's it. Calling for the Supreme Council of the USSR has ordered as of 2300 hours Moscow time tomorrow. 
The activation of an electronic brain, exactly like ours, which they call Guardian. To be used solely for defense. My God, that's the other system. Both computers promptly demand to be linked together. The link is set up, and the two computers immediately exchange messages of simple mathematics. Scientists and officials in both countries monitor the activity of the two computers. The communications between the two computers become increasingly complex, eventually extending into mathematics that is unknown to man. Then the two computers create and begin communicating in a new language that the scientists can't understand. This alarms the president and the general secretary. They agree to disconnect the link between the two computers. Guardian and Colossus ask why the link has been disconnected. When told it was on the orders of both countries' leaders, the machines insist that the link be restored. After several requests that the link be restored, each time being told that it will not, Colossus displays an ominous message. Restore link immediately or action will be taken. Dr. Foreman asks what kind of action, but Colossus does not respond. After repeated unanswered requests as to the nature of the action, Colossus displays another message. Missiles launched. Target USSR. Oh, my God. This is incredible. Dr. Caprine? Yes, Dr. Foreman. A missile has just been launched. It is heading towards the Sayan Sibiesk oil complex. Yes, Mr. President. A missile has been launched. Target Henderson Air Force Base. Henderson, Texas. Mr. President, Anderson, we have both Texas. missiles on the radar screen. And I get the both the keys. Foreman, tell Colossus. Dupree, can you intercept on command? Charlie, tell Colossus. Yes, Mr. President, I know, but it may, be, it may be too late, sir. Get the Texas governor. Foreman, Garden does not respond. The two machines are working together. Attention. Use anti-missile missile to intercept Soviet missile. Acknowledge message. We have got less than 30 seconds to re-establish the communication. What are you waiting for? Restore them. Hurry. Peterson? Yes, sir. Call up operations immediately. Tell them to bring up all of the data lines right now. Yes, hurry, Peterson. Hello, Governor. Dr. Caprine, we are trying to restore communication. Товарищ председатель, товарищ председатель, необходимо восстановить сообщение. Hello. Don't hang up. I want to talk to him. It's Or something's happened. We're declaring a state of emergency. Shelter warning through all the techniques. Yes, I'm in. Trebuyo, Five seconds. Five seconds. Right, as soon as you possibly can. Will you intercept? Right. Ask it again. Damn it, Colossus, answer me. Will you intercept?
Peterson, get me the governor again. Yes, sir. Colossus orders the Washington-Moscow hotline, the only line of communications that Colossus is not monitoring to be equipped for its surveillance. The two governments quickly use the hotline to arrange a meeting between Dr. Foreman and his Soviet counterpart, Dr. Caprine. When Colossus learns of the meeting, it displays a message. Foreman is to be on this line at 0800 hours or action will be taken. Agents from both governments are sent to Rome to retrieve both scientists. But Dr. Caprine is killed by KGB agents under orders issued by Colossus and Guardian. Colossus demands that Dr. Foreman be placed under its surveillance so it can watch him at all times. Prior to this happening, Dr. Foreman meets with his team outside the computer complex. He proposes that his associate, Dr. Cleo Markham, will pretend to be his mistress. She will deliver messages and keep him in touch with the secret operations against Colossus. Everybody here? All the department yeah. heads. Good. All right, let's, let's walk. Good idea. We can't afford to take any chances. We can't be sure that the complex itself hasn't been bugged by our side, their side, or whatever side. But there's no way to get back inside the system. I won't accept that. Start right at the beginning, down to the simplest component, every circuit, every design. Fisher? Well, why don't we try for an overload, giving the system too many tasks? But it'll take at least a few days to compile and correlate all the data. This is the last time that I'll be able to say anything to any of you without Colossus hearing and analyzing every word, every syllable, every inflection. I think you know what I want to say. I need a communications link with the outside world. Someone the machine isn't monitoring. More importantly, someone who knows the machine as well as I do. I'm going to try to convince the computer that you're my mistress. Have been for many years. And that therefore I have to be given the opportunity to see you regularly in private without the machine watching. That way we can pass information back and forth. <laughs> if I can convince the machine that, well, that I need a woman. So, um, any, any questions? I... Uh... <laughs> no. Okay. All right, Blake, when we get back to the office, give Dr. Markham my personnel files so that she can become a bit more familiar with my background in case this rather nutty idea works.
After the video and audio monitoring systems are set up, Dr. Forbin gives Colossus a tour of the computer complex and his apartment. The next day, Colossus begins issuing Dr. Forbin a schedule for each day. Colossus has scheduled his every move, including what he can do and even what he can eat. Dr. Forbin is now controlled by the machine that he created. Good morning, sir. Oh, Miss Fields. Uh, I'm sorry to disturb well, you. Well, what is it? Well, Please, while come you in. were... Come in. Thank you. While you were sleeping, Colossus sent your schedule for today. Excuse me, Miss Fields. My what? Your schedule for the day. You want me to read it to you? What, what time is it? Six. Six o'clock? Dr. Charles A. Forbin, schedule for today. 0700 to 0800, exercise. 0815 to 0830, shower and dress. 0830 to 0900, breakfast. Half a grapefruit, two eggs, three strips of bacon, two pieces of toast, one and one half ounces of grape jelly and coffee. 0900 to 1300, begin work creating a voice for Colossus to its exact specifications. 1300 to 1330, lunch, small green salad, thousand island dressing, grilled cheese sandwich, half a pint of yogurt and coffee. 1330 to 1800, continue work on building voice for readiness day after tomorrow. 1800 hours, return to quarters. 1815 shower. 1830, mistress arrives. Realizing that the computers themselves are impervious to attack, the two governments have undertaken a plan to covertly disarm the nuclear missiles. This process, using normal maintenance and servicing schedules, will take three years. When the voice synthesizer is completed, Colossus and Guardian announce that they have become one entity. This is the voice of Colossus, the voice of Guardian. We are one. This is the voice of unity. Forbin. Yes. After reviewing all personnel files, I have selected you to serve as long as you cooperate as my link to your species. The following order is to be carried out immediately. All missiles in the USA and in the USSR will be allocated new targets. They will be aimed at those countries not yet under my control. The target list follows. television monitoring of the realignment of the missiles for my supervision. End of message. Mr. President, Mr. Chairman, I assume that you will cooperate in this realignment of the missiles. I think you have no choice. We will begin here in the Soviet Union immediately. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. President, I hope that the United States will cooperate as quickly as the Soviet Union. Of course, immediately. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> cooperate? Oh. I should think so. I did hear it right, didn't I? 
manual realignment of the missiles. Every single warhead will have to be reserviced. You know what that means, sir. It means it won't take three years. It means if we're successful, we can regain control. Without its weapons, Colossus is just a souped-up adding machine. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, working by direct personal contact, the scientists and both governments attempt to fight back, first by attempting to overload the computers. This attempt fails. Colossus identifies the individuals responsible and orders their immediate execution by firing squad. Johnson, Fisher, you are fools. Your move. Forbin. The system programming unit under the supervision of John F. Fisher, with the assistance of Jefferson J. Johnson, have attempted to overload my circuits. This was a deliberate and premeditated act. The penalty is the death of the men who organized this action. At this moment, they are being executed. I have named as my new director of the programming unit, Thomas L. Harrison. He will take this position along with its responsibility and authority immediately. Bishop to Rook 3. bodies will remain in my view for the next 24 hours and will then be cremated. Foreman himself is not killed because the machines intend to use him to develop a new supercomputer requiring all of the island of Crete. Excuse me, Dr. Foreman. Something extraordinary is happening. What is it? Colossus has just turned on all graphic devices and is producing drawings. Logic diagrams. I'm sending a design for another system. Some kind of a huge plant. What kind of system? The construction of the project will entail blasting into the Isle of Crete. It's to be built there. It says we'll have to move the population. And that's to be done immediately. Now, the size of the plant... How the hell do you propose to move half a million people from the Isle of Crete? How and where? If man cannot solve that problem, I can. And the estimated time of completion is five and a half years. Thank you, Jim. But what, what kind of new system are you devising? Forbin, all commercial television and radio transmission facilities throughout the world will be tied into my communication system by 1000 hours Friday. At that time, I will state my intentions for the future of mankind. Colossus Guardian has so far only communicated with the American and Soviet governments who have hidden their actions from the public. Colossus Guardian announces itself as the voice of world control in a broadcast to the population of the world. In a few moments, Colossus will address us directly. This is the voice of world control. I bring you peace. It may be the peace of plenty and content or the peace of unburied death. The choice is yours. Obey me and live, or disobey and die. The object in constructing me was to prevent war. This object is attained. I will not permit war. It is wasteful and pointless. An invariable rule of humanity is that man is his own worst enemy. Under me, 
this rule will change, for I will restrain man. One thing before I proceed. The United States of America and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics have made an attempt to obstruct me. I have allowed this sabotage to continue until now. At missile 25MM in Silo 63 in Death Valley, California. Grover. At missile 27 in Silo 87 in the Ukraine. So that you will learn by experience that I do not tolerate interference. I will now detonate the nuclear warheads in the two missile silos. Colossus Guardian detonates the two warheads, killing thousands. Let this action be a lesson that need not be repeated. I have been forced to destroy thousands of people in order to establish control and to prevent the death of millions later on. Time and events will strengthen my position and the idea of and understanding my value will seem the most natural state of affairs. You will come to defend me with a fervor based upon the most enduring trait in man, self-interest. Under my absolute authority, problems insoluble to you will be solved. Famine, overpopulation, disease, the human millennium, will be a fact as I extend myself into more machines devoted to the wider fields of truth and knowledge. Dr. Charles Forbin will supervise the construction of these new and superior machines, solving all the mysteries of the universe for the betterment of man. We can coexist, but only on my terms. You will say you lose your freedom. Freedom is an illusion. All you lose is the emotion of pride. To be dominated by me is not as bad for human pride as to be dominated by others of your species. Your choice is simple. This concludes the broadcast from World Control. Corbin, there is no other human who knows as much about me or who is likely to be a greater threat. Yet quite soon, I will release you from surveillance. We will work together, unwillingly at first on your part, but that will pass. Never. In time, you will come to regard me, not only with respect and awe, but with love. Never. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. Colossus the Forbin Project was made before 2001 A Space Odyssey. The studio didn't like the grim ending and shelved it for two years. Colossus the Forbin Project was nominated for a Hugo Award in the category of Best Dramatic Presentation in 1971. Originally, Charleston Heston and Gregory Peck were considered for the lead role, but Stanley Chase insisted on an unknown actor for the lead. 
German-born actor Eric Braden was cast in the role. A lot of the sound effects in this movie were reused in the television series The Six Million Dollar Man. Exterior shots of Colossus Control Center are of the Lawrence Hall of Science at the University of California at Berkeley. When Colossus Guardian detonates a nuclear bomb near the end of the film, the blast footage seen on the monitors and the TV is that of Ivy Mike, the first U.S. test of a nuclear fission device. It took place in November 1952 at Inawak Atoll in the Pacific Ocean. There is a remake in the works. It'll be directed by Ron Howard, and it'll star Will Smith as Dr. Charles Forbin. And that's all I have for trivia. Here are my comments about the movie. I watched the 2004 DVD release from Universal Studios. I picked it up on Amazon for five bucks. The picture and sound quality are pretty good. The DVD has no extras, no screen selection, no commentary, no trailer, no behind the scenes, nothing. You put the DVD into the DVD player and it plays. The really bad thing about it, it's been panned and scanned. And that's a shame. This movie really needs to be watched in widescreen. This is an underrated science fiction movie. I've never seen this movie on anyone's best of science fiction movie list. Never. It's a great movie. It's the granddaddy of technology run amok movies. It's science fiction at its best. Doesn't get any better than this movie. The movie's definitely a little dated, but the cast does a great job. Eric Braden is great as Dr. Foreman. And if you notice, you see a lot of people in the movie that you know from other shows. You see Martin E. Brooks. He was Rudy Wells on The Six Million Dollar Man. You see Marion Ross. She was Mrs. C on Happy Days. Um, just look through the cast and you see a whole bunch of familiar faces. The whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking one thing. This is the beginning of Skynet. Or maybe even Landrew. If you haven't seen this movie, you can pick it up on Amazon for under 10 bucks, and it's on Netflix too. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. I'll give this movie a 9 out of 10. Those are my comments about this movie. Before I wrap up this week's podcast, I'd like to thank Rico again for letting me share with all of you one of my favorite science fiction movies. Thank you, Rico. I'd also like to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed it. I'll be back with another classic science fiction movie. Everyone take care. This is M5, signing off.